Hello gamers, welcome again to this, our third installment of the All Systems Go gaming podcast. We thank you so much for joining us here. I am Joel. Follow me at Joel Cizlek on the Twitter. Uh, with me in this four-player venture is our own graduated gamer, Tim. Hey guys, Tim, you can follow me on Twitter at graduated underscore gamer. As always, happy to be here. You know, I can't think of any other way to spend my Monday night as it is with these three insane people that I'm with tonight. Thank mm. you. I could not agree more. Uh, also with us, uh, we have Reen. Hello and good evening. I won't give you my Twitter handle because I'm just an annoying person on Twitter and no one will ever want to follow me, but carry on. That's not true. She is at Reen AVA on Twitter. You can follow her because she's awesome. I find her interesting and insightful. I do. So I would go. love to subscribe to her newsletter should she ever print one. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, and finally, um, our talented friend, Lessa. Yes, and since you already just said my Twitter handle, then I'll just leave it at that, but yes. <laughs> Carry on. I did your job for you. Well done. Sorry. We're consolidating here at All Systems Go. Um, <laughs> we'll start things off with the question that everyone wants to know every episode. What's in your system? Tim, why don't you uh, kick us <laughs> off? Well, uh, it's been kind of insane for me the last uh, week and a half, couple weeks since our last recording. I have been playing games like a mofo. Um, I mean, I've, I was playing Dust and Elysian Tail on the 360. I played Deadlight on the 360. I played the indie game Proteus on the PS3, which took me like half an hour, so I don't even know if you can consider that. I uh, played some Battlefield 3 with my dad. played King's Knight, which is a classic Squaresoft game for the NES for review of bad game day. Uh, and then recently, I just started, uh, I think yesterday or two days ago, playing Tomb Raider for the PS3, which I am just loving so much. Lara Croft is now my girl. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I've done nothing but play games and possibly eat when I remember to. So, Don't you steal my cosplay idea. Oh, what's oh, I was yeah. going to be here first. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be so embarrassing if we, if we both showed up at a con uh, wearing short shorts. Croft. Yeah, really weird. I'll bring the camera. Oh, please do, yeah. Uh, So, Reen, what do you got in your system at the moment? Well, Tim takes it away with the amount that he's played, so everyone just give him a gold star right there. Bing! Yeah, and I only played a couple because I've been really busy these last couple of, like, I guess, weeks. So I tried Grave. It's an indie game, I guess. I found it on Kickstarter, and it's a person survival exploration game by some guy named Tristan Parrish. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's a survival game. It's a demo, so there's not much to it right now, but it starts off in a white desert where you come across a house when you're exploring, and it may have been a glitch or bug, or actually part of the game, but when I exited the house, there was this huge glass city floating in the middle of nowhere, and then for a split second, it just disappeared, and I was like, okay, cool. And these weird creatures appear at night and I love games that just like have that creepy atmosphere where like things are in the dark and you don't know what's going to happen and this game kind of took it away with that and I was like oh my god what is out there because it got dark it was light out and then it became night and then you hear like these weird screams and I was like oh my god and I died the first time and then I actually found what I was supposed to do but I'd recommend it for fans like for open exploration and survival games and they should just check it out like the demo at least I'm not sure if it's out yet. And then I tried Curse of Blackwater, and that one's like kind of like a slender 
Slender Man game where you're in the woods alone, but instead of finding eight pages, you have to make your way to some old maternity ward. Ooh. And I got turned around in the beginning because I thought I saw red eyes and bushes, and then I, I walked all the way back down to the car, and then I only had one battery in my flashlight, so it was pitch black, and I was like, screw this, so I had to start over. And like the atmosphere for this game is brilliant. Like how in Fear, the first Fear game where your flashlight is limited and then creepy things happen around you, this kind of had that same uh, thing. <laughs> I can't well, I think of the right word. Well, I have the same concept, but Reen, for Fear, the, the flashlight, although it did deplict, it had time to re, um, refuel itself when True. you turned it off. But for this game, Blackwater, that you just had batteries, and when the battery was done, it was done. It was gone. And so, like, the only complaint I have is that every room in the maternity ward looks the same. And I was on my last battery when I figured out I'd gone in a circle. But after unlocking a door, I guess I activated an enemy, and I saw this little girl down the hall, and I was like, little girl, what are you doing? And like an ass, I went over to go to check if she was okay, and I died. Yeah, see, everything no. you're describing is Joel and I are just shaking our heads at each other right now because I think you're describing a big bunch of nope because I would have uh, checked out at the red eyes in the bushes part yeah I, I think I would have seen that little girl minutes. and gotten a knife and been like come here little girl because yeah. I know you're oh, going to be evil I'll help you yeah there's no such thing <laughs> help as you die. helpful little girl in a horror game <laughs> yeah she was crying and then like I mean I don't usually no, go no, no. Nope. and you played Left 4 Dead I thought you played Left 4 Dead all the time <laughs> Yeah, the oh, witches. I always like witch. to ask the witches. <laughs> She's so sad. No, but it was funny because we heard crying, and then so Reen goes up, and she sees a little girl, and I was like, Reen, you don't want to go over there. And she's like, but she's crying. I'm going to no. be an ass. I'm going to go see if she's okay. And I think you, we have to be within a certain proximity of the little girl because when we walked toward her, she outstretched her arms like a like a mummy dance or something like that, and then so Reen backed the fuck off, and she was like, <laughs> oh, my God. And then the little girl put her arms back down. And mm-hmm. so we're like, oh, well, so maybe she's not, like, evil or something so yeah, then right. and so when Reen approached her again and there was this blood curling scream and she got too close and the whole screen was like you are dead and she we're like oh well hug your heart from your chest that's all <laughs> yeah. she wants uh, yeah so uh nope that's that's a whole bunch mm. of no there Ugh. all right well Reen since you've thoroughly terrified me for the night I kind of want to see what Les is playing mm. okay well so in my system this week I have just the Walking Dead survival instinct. Not a, not a really big deal, but this will technically be my second time playing it, though theoretically I did do a run-through of it about three other times just because of the, the trophies requiring the player to enter Sherwood alone, like just as Daryl, or enter Sherwood just with women on your team or just men. So we put it on Reen's PS3 to get some trophies for her since my account already has the platinum 100%, nice. except it wasn't, <laughs> right? I, that was like actually my first game. Wait, no, well, my first game, Reen's, no, yes, my first game, because Reen got the platinum for Deadly Permanition also on mine. But when I put the Walking Dead Survival in, in last night it was embarrassing because i was so rusty and i got so many group hugs from herds of walkers that it wasn't even funny uh, it, it was so terrible but but still um i think it's a great game despite all the harsh criticism it's received upon release over the years mm-hmm. and personally it's just a decent game and very underrated nice. yep well i mean obviously last hmm. but not least joel well yeah segueing uh, perfectly out of the uh, survival horror genre uh, Mario 64 <laughs> uh, fits right in there, I think. Been to King Boo's castle? I was scared. So I've been playing Mario 64 Max Fasts. And Can you you'd say, what that means? Joel, <laughs> okay. what the hell does Max Fast mean? First of all, don't swear at me. Secondly, what I mean is trying to beat the game as fast as possible using various glitches 
uh, performing what we'd call a speed run, and uh, I beat it getting 16 stars, which is a popular category of speed run to do with Mario 64, and a good time to be you know, considered a proficient uh, speedrunner in that category would be about 20 minutes, and I'm working my way down right now I'm to 25 and a half, nice. so I'm going to keep working on that, I want that 20 minute time, and uh, also some uh, Mario Party with the sister and some friends, Mario Party 9 for Wii, and going to um, throw the uh, classic original Mario Party in there this week, I think. We got a question friends. for you, Mr. Speedrun. Yes. Um, do you consider it, no, you probably don't since you're doing it, but do you consider it a bit cheap when people take advantage of glitches and secrets and stuff like that to do a speed run or is it saying, no I, is it I love two it. separate I think groups? it's really cool because it takes a lot of practice to get it down especially Mario 64 there's a lot of different ones like different categories of glitches like clipping exposing like wall jumps where you're not supposed to be able to do wall jumps hmm. and just like really interesting ways to kind of take advantage of the way the game's laid out and skip large portions of it so I think it's cool that people discover it first of all because that's the hardest part and mm. then to be able to practice it enough to get it down I think is impressive because it's mm. a lot of precision yeah I just feel like there might be two parties obviously there's like this yeah a lot of, of people no glitches right and then, a lot yeah. of people find that that's more work do no glitches? No or? glitches, because it's... Well, it takes and, longer. Right. And you're just like, oh, think, I gotta speed run this game for like 23 hours. Right. Uh, I think more boring. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, awesome. So I think everyone now knows what's in our system this week. I think I've played more games this past two weeks, and I think all of you have played combined. So I think that just goes to show everybody yep, that yeah. I have no life, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> so, but Lessa, you were talking about the Walking Dead Survival Instincts, um, playing that, and, and you did mention that you thought, as a Walking Dead game, it was underrated, correct? Yes. Yeah, so... I, I mean... Go ahead. I mean, I could see how this, uh, Survival Instinct can be considered the baby of the Walking Dead group, in the sense of its lax execution with the gameplay and barely any, um, interaction with the survivors you rescue, especially when compared to the games by Telltale, Season 1 and Season 2, mm. which I have yet to play, grr, but I will eventually. Nice. Um, but I think Survival Instinct, it, it was a neat take on Daryl's side of the story during the days of the turn, and honestly, like, that was one of my top reasons for getting Survival Instinct you know, for Daryl Dixon, a character who's not in the comics and is voiced by the one and only Norman Reedus himself. Yes! But, um, <laughs> sorry, I got like, uh, fangirling. It's okay. Level. I was fangirling about, you know, Daryl over here as well. So, okay. so why I'm fanning myself down. <laughs> Joel okay, is just yeah. sitting there nodding. Mm. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, aside from Norman Reedus, so not to mention Michael Rooker for Merle, and I think, honestly, I can say that the dialogue was my favorite aspect of the game, because the banter between those two was just out-of-this-world hilarious. I mean, to me, at least. I mean, I find little joy in the smallest things, mm-hmm. but it definitely made up for some of the, the poorer features of the games, which is probably why it's so unappreciated mm-hmm. um, with the graphics and the, the grappling aspect and everything, but I mean... Overall, as a big zombie fan, Walkers included, I think that The Walking Dead Survival at least deserves a chance on gamer shelves, especially if you're a Walking Dead fan. That's all I can say. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you, you, you say that, especially in like a series like The Walking Dead. I mean, you think there's probably going to be like some quote-unquote bad eggs that people would maybe like avoid, but as like a series, right, don't they all kind of tie into one another? Like you should play the whole gamut of games they come out with? Or is it, like, does that not tie into the Seasons games? Well, I think for The Walking Dead Survival Instinct, what they tried to do there was show Daryl's life before the turn. So, I mean, as a fan of the show, it's interesting for me to put game 
verse and move or not movie but a uh, season verse together as one and kind of you know see the the relations and how it just all went down as a total mm. right and i believe they also introduced um andrea and amy's father yeah 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 where daryl meets him like nearing the end of the game before you enter sherwood yeah 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 I mean, I was just kind of thinking, I, the way I, the reason I asked is because, personally, I actually have an underrated game. Now that you were mentioning it, I was thinking about, like, the Final Fantasy series. Because that's, growing up, that was one of my favorite series. I think it's not really that uncommon for someone from my generation to really, you know, attach to a series like Final Fantasy. Since Final Fantasy 7 and 6 and 8 and 9 and 10 kind of blew up the gaming world and that's, you know... I don't know, it was like not even like six year span or something like that. They all came out between one another. But I always hear people talking about how like Final Fantasy seven is amazing and six is amazing and ten is amazing, but no one ever seems to mention my personal favorite, Final Fantasy Nine. And I always feel like it's extremely underrated. But I guess it kind of makes a little more sense in the Final Fantasy world that like you can skip a game like that because they aren't tied into one another, right? I mean they're all completely separate stories, but <laughs> I don't know. I just think nine is so it's very whimsical. Like seven was very dark, cloud was very emo. You know, sweeping his oh, hair don't. away from his eyes. No, don't say that about. He is. He's emo. Let's be honest, okay? I mean, I know <laughs> you're. I know you're all about fangirling about him and Sephiroth, and that's totally fine. But he's emo. Oh, my girlfriend got killed in front of me. Oh, oh. my god, I'm so sad about <laughs> that. Oh, oh, I'm take, I took the personality of a dead friend. She'll oh. never laugh again. Oh. oh my god, I'm gonna go oh. listen to Radiohead. Oh, it's like, come on, Cloud. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, I, I love that game, and I, I don't. I don't want people people to like attack me here on Twitter or anything and be like, you hate Final Fantasy VII. Bull, I love Final Fantasy VII. I played it three times all the way through. I sucked like almost 300 hours into just that game alone. Love it. But Final Fantasy IX, to me, is underrated because of... I don't know. It's just... It's more fantasy you know it's set in like a medieval time setting you have these like whimsical characters that you know aren't dark i mean there is dark storylines to it but they just seem a little more upbeat and happy and optimistic about saving the world you know and it also kind of goes back to the class system you had in the original final fantasies where you have a black mage a white mage you have you know a a dragon knight or a lancer or whatever you want to call him a thief so it has that that whole thing going for you as opposed to like making your character who you want them to be sort of thing so i really like that i think it's extremely underrated personally but that's that's my soapbox on final fantasy 9 i've had this argument about a million times with friends so yeah if i was to pick up final fantasy 9 would i get the storyline or would i have to play the other oh no 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 yeah every final fantasy numbered series like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They're all separate stories. There's no okay. continuation. There are themes in each game that carry from game to game. Like for instance, every game for the most part has an airship, and almost every game has a character named Sid who owns or runs the airship in the game. There's chocobos. There's moogles. There's all those sorts of things in the games that you'll find in every single one. But the protagonist, the antagonist, the the how you have to save the world and the evil that you're trying to defeat, it's different in each game. So yeah, you can pick each one up. It's a standalone copy. Okay. Yep. I might actually look into that. Just say it's Timmy's favorite game and I will look into Final it. Final Fantasy Nine is awesome. I would do it after Fallout 3 if I were you. Okay. So, definitely do that. But, uh, do you I don't think know. they'll I mean, ever get to the final Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy Final. They'll just call it that once Squeenix goes under. <laughs> They're lying with every new game. Yeah, it's basically it's yeah. clearly more fantasies. Exactly, it's it's 
Final Fantasy Nine until the next fantasy. Yeah. In I guess if each one is its own story, it is the final <laughs> fantasy within that story. Nice. Sort of. All right, guys. Well, Lessa and I, we've already touched, we've ranted already. Uh, Joel, do you have an underrated game since we're on the topic? Um... Everyone agrees with me that the games I like are awesome, so oh, okay. uh, I don't have one. All right, nice. Awesome. Joel only plays good games. <laughs> I only so play the best. So right? I don't got never, time. You don't check reviews ahead of time, games. do you, Joel? You never do that. Uh, yeah. Actually, I love Zelda CDI, so I'm oh my God. Idea. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. All right, Reed, since Joel only plays awesome games, how about you? Alright, since I'm a big Resident Evil fan, I'm just going to plain out say that Resident Evil Dead Aim, it's one of the least popular Resident Evil titles and has no real relation to the series, but I loved it. Hmm. Like, the headshots made me feel like a bamf. If you just, like, aim right above the crown, their head goes off and it's just a one-hit, one-kill, and I was like, oh, yeah! Like, I went through that game just feeling like a hero. It was awesome. Like, but my personal observation, I really think that this game has more in common with the other titles than other fans think. Okay, first of all, the player starts off on a ship owned by the Umbrella Corp, and some drag queen named Morpheus wants to launch warheads from his underground silo, I think that's how it's pronounced, Mm -hmm. filled with the T-virus, and this is exactly like Albert Wesker's delusional dream in Resident Evil 5 to release Ouroboros into the atmosphere to ensure complete global saturation quote unquote, that's his line and like also Bruce and Morpheus have a Wesker and Chris relationship plus an Ada and Leon love affair with Fondling and Bruce and here's the kicker, Ada Wong's alternative costume in Resident Evil 6 Mercenaries looks like a dress version of Fondling's top from Dead Aim secondly, Dead Aim was really one of the first Resident Evil series to incorporate first person shooter besides Resident Evil Survivor, but I won't get into that one. But Dead Aim, yeah, it was third person when controlling the character, and then it swapped to first person when aiming and firing. And this concept carried over to Resident Evil Revelations, which originally came out for the 3DS, so where the player can swap between first and third. And to make it even more mind-blowing, there's a boss you encounter in Dead Aim called Pluto, which looks like a whopper from Resident Evil 6. And then when Carla mutates into her clay form, in Ada's campaign, she looks a lot like Morpheus's final form, which is like a clump of of gooey stuff with a bunch of faces. It's a short but great game, and I think it's not a really well-known title, so I think Capcom kind of pulled some stuff from it and incorporated it into the other games. Mm -hmm. But I'd recommend it to any Resident Evil fan because, like I said, it's very short, but it's enjoyable. I feel like Joel and I... Joel, have you ever played Resident Evil games before? No, I've just watched some people play. I feel like by the end of probably like a year of doing this podcast, I think Joel and I are going to have like 100% comprehension and understanding of canon in the Resident Evil universe just We'll just have to like print out, you know, a pamphlet and just have it open while she's talking. That mm-hmm. way we don't follow along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be like, oh, here we go. Highlight True that. Diagram. Chris Wesker. Dad. I actually was there <laughs> no, a Resident no, no, Evil no, okay, that took wait. place on a train. I feel like I played one briefly where you're on a, like a train. Yeah, it was actually interesting because the concept art for Resident Evil 5, they wanted to have Chris being attacked by Ouroboros on a train, but that concept actually carried over to Resident Evil 6, where Leon's being chased on the train by Derek. So, so I might have played that one. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to point that I think we're gonna all going to be experts on Resident Evil by the time this is all over. So, And I don't think we'll be writing fan fiction, though. Well, Joel and no. I won't. Joel and I won't. I already know. Oh, I already have one. You guys have tomes of it, sitting there reading it every night with a flashlight under your covers. Literally, I was actually writing some tonight. Were you? God, I actually like that idea, Joel. I think I think they should do a choose your own adventure, Resident Evil. It's gonna make it where every ending is you die. (laughs) 
you can't get out. No. So it's basically Mass Effect. Oh shit! Did I just give that away? <laughs> oh, no, don't so spoil it for me. It's not actually true. That's not actually true. There is there are ways that you cannot die. So I'm just messing with you. I don't uh, believe you. Okay, fine. But I'm just letting you know. You'll be fine. All right. So Resident Evil. Obviously, we're going to be experts. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. It was announced this past week that Capcom is going to be doing, um, I think is how they phrase it, going to be doing a remake of a remake of a remaster of a reboot of a remake of a game that came out in the GameCube from the original Resident Evil. I think that's basically what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. it's a Resident Evil remake of the original remastered in HD. Oh my god. <laughs> Can we just like, we need to call sign new names for this, right? Okay, wait, short version. It's the remastering of a remake. Bam. Okay, boom. I, they'll still boom. say a bunch of other stuff though in the future. They'll be like, oh, it's a reboot of a remaster of a remake that we remastered <laughs> in HD when we remade the series and rebooted it back in 1986. Like, wait, what? How are you going to yeah. HD 8-bit graphics? I don't <laughs> get it. But uh, So anyway, I mean, like like I said earlier, Joel and I have no experience with this game, but I kind of want to know, Reen Lessa, is it something that we should be excited about? Is it something that gamers should be like, yeah, this is cool? Or do you think it's kind of like, eh, they're just, they're stretching for money and they're just not giving us a new game like we want um i think it's a little bit of both but so far what i've read is that aside from the the polished graphics there, there's going to be widescreen support but then also <laughs> scroll function which i think when your character moves on the frame if he moves to a certain area the screen might also scroll with him but then i know there's also going to be dual controller support where the player can choose between the the classic controls of i think it was inverted x and y axis and then also more user-friendly like t- in today's day and age where you push the analog stick forward and you actually move forward instead of oh. like either spinning in a circle or doubling back. Thank you. But then <laughs> I hate those controls. Oh, yes. They take some getting used to. What I also read is that there's also going to be enhanced sound, which I think those are nice little touches to what was already remade in 2002, because even then, the remake in 2002 had a few features different than the original 1996 version. Um, Some of those changes, including, of course, the graphics, um, made to look more muted than saturated hues they had going before, like the very vibrant carpets and blues and Mm -hmm. greens, but, and then they also did a new soundtrack aside from the 1996 version and they no kept wait 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 color. they kept the uh the cat on the organ cellar music right no i mean that just set the tone for getting <laughs> killed by zombies struck fear straight into your heart the blood pumper and you're like where's that big ass cat yeah <laughs> i'm just surprised this is the second podcast in a row we're talking about a cat walking across an organ it's just such a profound gaming track <laughs> <laughs> so that's out. That's not in the game. Is what you're telling me? Yeah, uh, I'm for not the new sound- No chance. Oh man, well, I mean, I that's never... a mistake. <laughs> I know for this soundtrack, at least, is going to be made to sound less sharp or grating or metallic, is how some people referred to it. Hmm. But "Cat Across an Organ" I think sums it up. But I mean, I know that they also did this for Silent too. I think Konami, the same thing with their release of Silent Hill two and three, where they made a remastered HD version. Mm-hmm. And for Silent Hill, they added the the new visuals, the new sounds, but then they also went a step further and got a new voice cast. Okay. And I know that there was a lot of squabble from fans about how that turned them off, but I think personally, since I'm so used to having 
and Chris Redfield voiced by Roger Craig Smith and Albert Wesker as DC Douglas, if Capcom decided to also do this and redo the voice cast for the remastered version with those two, I am sold. Okay, hmm. I mean, aside from Joel's complaint about the <laughs> cat across the organ, I would buy it for those two men. I think one of the things about games I, I see people complain about, you said the voice acting, like if they change the voice actor for games, like I think they did it for Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, they changed the voice actor for that game for one of the new ones and I guess the guy who'd been doing the voice for years was kicked and they got a new guy and people were outraged and I'm like I know it maybe is important to a lot of people that love that series but like if they change the voice actor for I don't even know like a popular series I have but like I don't know I don't look at a game and think voice acting is like the one thing that I love about it Mm -hmm. so that just kind of perplexes me just wanted to throw that out there but I know that there are purists like yourselves that probably just have this connection (laughs) with no it's true though I mean you probably have associated with those voice actors and you've identified with them as those characters so I I guess I can understand it from that perspective Active. True, we, we did go to like one of the cons in our area and we've met DC Douglas who did the voice of Albert Wesker like three times. I have a soft spot for the man. He has such a rich voice and he's so funny. Alright, so cool. Is there anything you're looking forward to? Uh, anything that like other fans you think should see in the, the remake before we move on? Anything that's like, I don't know, that's been in a lot of games or you should you should see if it's going to be a real Resident Evil experience. Well, I know they had new additions and differences for the remake and the Resident Evil original, like uh, Lisa Trevor. Mm-hmm. Basically the experiment gone wrong type of creature that almost becomes how Reen and I like to say the nemesis of RE remake. Okay. Yeah. And this game had her, like the remake had her first appearance because she was not in the original, but she can later be seen in Wesker's chapters in the Umbrella Chronicles for the Wii. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can be found in a cabin in the woods which, again, wasn't in the original Resident Evil. And the player can't kill her because she's an immortal character. Like, they can stall her with a magnum, but she'll only stumble back. And I remember trying to shoot her and kill her, but was pummeled to death when I first played this game because <laughs> I was I was in my must-kill-everything mode. Yeah. yeah, and her early mutation uh, looked a lot like the bodyguards from Resident Evil 5's Lost in Nightmare DLC with the eye on her back. And, like, another one of the differences is the Death Mask was another addition that they added, with, and also a coffin, which contains the Crimson Head prototype sealed beneath Spencer's mansion in the cemetery, and this was never in the original, but I guess they added it. And since I played the original before the remake, it was nice to have the differences. Mm-hmm. If you fail to shoot the head off the zombies that stalk almost every hall, they come back as Crimson Heads. And Crimson Heads are basically an version of the zombies with a lot more agility and a two-bit vendetta you would not believe. And so I think that was a really, really neat um, incorporation for the difference-wise between the 1996 version and the 2002 version. So to see just, I guess, all the enemies all amped up in HD will just make it so much better game. Right, I don't care if you smoke too many green herbs, Capcom. I will buy your remastered remake. Shut up and take my money. Smoke too many green herbs, huh? Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, um, with that, I guess we'll go on to our next topic. Kind of fits in pretty nicely, actually. I read this article this past week on Kotaku where I guess there is a um, a research study done that I guess they tested out gamers with uh, wearing headsets and um, you know how like when you have your cell phone in your pocket, right? You can sometimes hallucinate, you know, like a phantom ring or something like that, even though your phone's nowhere near you. Well, I guess they found that a lot of gamers will have these like phantom sounds, these hallucinating, they'll hallucinate sounds after wearing headsets and playing a video game for a while, which 
you know, I'm all about, you know, I think games are still awesome and don't really have a t- as many detrimental effects as people say they do. But this is one of those things that you got to kind of look at and be like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't play like, you know, 20 hours of games with my headset on. Otherwise, I'll start to see and hear things and then go crazy. But I don't know. I, I don't know if I've personally ever run into this in my own experiences. I think I've heard like things in the headset that I thought maybe were happening outside of the headset that they sound like a sound in my house or something. But I've never hallucinated a sound after taking my headset. Um, I guess I'll kind of open it up to the group and see if anyone else has because I personally have not. Well, I was playing Resident Evil Mercenaries 3D with Lessa for the 3DS for the first time and we were trying to unlock all the characters and costumes mm-hmm. because with those games you have to get certain scores and ranks to unlock the characters. And all I remember is that we started one early afternoon, carried on through the night, realized it was morning, a friend texted and asked to come over so we could hang out, and then we were up until 12 a.m. the next day. But during the day, when we looked out over the lake, we swore we saw the executor Magini standing idly by one fence. And it was weird because at the same time, Les and I were like, it's him! <laughs> across the water! And then also, there was this weird pot across the lake as well. We thought it was like an uku, like from Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, that weird like little bird thing with the big head and like little wings. But yeah, the mind can play tricks without sleep. Well, definitely lack of sleep would play into that. I know I've started to hear or see things when I haven't slept for a while as well. Joel, have you mm-hmm. ever hallucinated? Not, you know, I mean, I'm talking about video game hallucinations. So. Right behind you. There's, oh, okay. <laughs> um, there's something called a hypergogic state that you fall into when you're between awake and asleep, when you're right about to fall asleep. And after playing like the same game, like Green Lessa said, for many hours in a row right before bed, I have like felt like I heard like little blips of that game, hmm. like voice acting, sound effect, whatever, like right as I'm about to fall asleep. But you're like really out of it, you know, because you're barely awake at that point. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a weird, just like your brain kind of, as it's shutting down, like releasing random memory that it's stored over the day or mm-hmm. whatever. So I've had that. I can't think of any specific examples, but yeah, I've had that happen and... I've also had some really weird-ass dreams after playing certain games. Not so much survival horror, just like some surreal... Uh, like, I think Zelda played Wind Waker all day one time and then just dreamed of, like, sailing around and cell-shaded people. Hmm. Um, stuff like Aww. that. Yeah, I just want to be cell-shaded, you guys. Yeah, I never really hallucinate, so I just, I think whenever I play, like, a scary game or something like that, which is rare, but, or if I'm, like, up late reading creepypasta like an idiot, I'll just, like, freak myself out. I'll just be, like, sitting here and then, like, shit my pants if I hear, like, Bailey jump on a wall or something like holy god Bailey's my cat if she just like makes a noise I'm just like I'm gonna die something's gonna kill me and I I go from like an over six foot grown man to a weeping five-year-old girl in like three seconds flat so but uh yeah so I can I don't think I ever hallucinate well I don't know maybe they're like hallucinations but I don't know it's uh it's scary in its own right. I mean, I know there was this other time that Reed and I hallucinated. It was during our um, our Resident Evil 5 hype, where we tried to do a run-through, or I guess a, a speed run of the game in the least amount of time so that we could unlock the infinite rocket launcher. And let's just say we sat in front of the telly for almost two whole days just playing that game. I mean, it was ridiculous up until the point where our dad came in and was like, girls, you're playing too much. Why don't you go for a walk or something? And so so we did. And But the whole time we were strolling around the block, the whole hour we kept hearing the cawing of crows from chapter 2-1 like the exact same cawing and then also the beeping of the trucks from that same chapter 2-1 and at that point it was almost alarming 
maybe even a little eye-opening the saying playing too much wasn't an understatement mm-hmm. huh. yeah i guess it would be i mean i don't think i would really like to walk around and hear crows cawing especially since i've seen the birds and i want to keep the game in the game yeah i don't want to <laughs> especially if it's survival horror oh god yeah i don't want to take none of that i don't want to just like, find myself out in a forest at night trying to collect yeah. eight pages for no reason uh, whatsoever at night don't you mean one late night <sighs> no i'm not gonna talk about it that's no okay so I'm we'll just talk about it yeah no we're good so we'll get there <laughs> I mean, I will play it eventually. Again, I'll I'll stream it, but God, is that just a scary-ass game. So, all right, well, I mean, One Late Night, Joel, actually, we've both played. I think you've played it two girls, haven't you? You finished it? Uh-huh, yeah. yep. So, Joel, we were actually talking about that earlier. You actually told me that that game disturbed you a little bit while you were playing it, didn't it? It did. I, uh, <laughs> I jumped uh, several times, like legitimately felt my heart like beating out of my chest, <laughs> let a few F-bombs fly. So there's some stuff like even when you know something's coming, you yeah. just like when it happens, oh god. Yeah, it's not just a Why balloon, girls. <laughs> it's not just a balloon. Uh, uh well don't give it away if other people well, play no, it. So. I'm just gonna say it's not just a balloon. So don't go into that that situation thinking, Oh look, it's just a balloon. Fuck that balloon. It's not just a balloon. Okay? Mm-hmm. Cause that's, it's yeah, a balloon, it's no, a balloon. It's, it's not, because that, yeah, that, I think that's about as far as I got until the point where I was like, nope, I'm done. My mm-hmm. chair almost flew out from under me. I was about ready to, like, change my pants. When no. it goes to that staticky picture and the creepy oh, old just attitude turn piano, around. it's yeah. like, oh, God, get me out of here. Turn around. I, just, I don't want turn this. And it's so well made, like, they keep it all within that small enclosed yeah, area. Yeah, no, you totally really... feel like trapped it's amazing game design oh it is but yeah no i would agree with you it's pretty pretty disturbing i just know i mean yeah it messed me but then again like every horror game messes with me i will say that i don't think i would find a horror game that i'd play alone at night you know with the lights off that wouldn't disturb me i mean hell i even played that witch's house that was like a 16-bit style game and that still even disturbed me on some level so i will say this though there is a game out there speaking of disturbing, that I didn't... That isn't, like, a horror game that's actually pretty fucked up. Um, it's a game called Rape Play. I don't know if you've heard of this before. Hopefully not, because it's a no. game in Japan no. only. Um, I don't even know how I found out about it. I think someone tweeted about it or something, and I was like, what the hell is this? And you basically play as this, like, creepy guy. Oh, my god! The only... I know. You, you already it's know exactly where this is going. It's exactly what you think it is. It's exactly... Actually, it's called I was Rape wondering, Play. It's reading called Rape this. Play. What the, the title gives it away. It's, yep. it's just so disturbing, because you play this guy whose only goal in the game is to stalk and then have sex with these two women, a mother and her daughter. It's disgusting and disturbing, and when I read about it, I was like, how in the hell can this be a game? But it's not anywhere else except in Japan, which I Go guess figure. I can understand. <laughs> I know, I can understand with the, with the kind of culture they have over there, but I guess it's like illegal to own in America, which totally understandable, and I'm just like, I read that and I was like, okay, I'm all for games and like freedom of expression and stuff like that, and I don't really like censoring video games, but... That one takes it. That's the step. A much. That's the step right there that I kind of I'm like. I'm going to draw the line at at you know raping. So that one kind of disturbed the hell out of me. I'll say. Yeah, like if we're talking about disturbing Japanese games, I mean, like it's not really, really disturbing. It was different, and I I truly enjoyed it. It's a brilliant game. It's called Rule of Rose, and it's for PlayStation Two. 
And when I put it in, I was like, this looks like some, like, I guess the horror genre, because I just, I love those games. But I didn't expect little girls kissing, brawling, lifting up their skirts, smearing lipstick on their faces, and dead rats shoved in faces. And then there's a dog stuffed in a bag and beaten, and that one threw me over the edge. I'm like, you do not hurt animals. And then there's dark shadow children wearing paper bags on their heads and thrashing a maid to death with brooms. And then a bird stuffed in a box, slowly losing its air. And you can hear it chirping, and then the chirping starts to slow after a while and you have to unlock it and solve the puzzles to set it free before it dies. Hmm. When they involve animals in games, I'm like, I get really into it. I'm like, I can't let that bird die. Yikes. I like that that one uh, Flash game online. Save them goldfish. Ah, save me! Ever, it was on Newgrounds, I think, like years ago. If I had to choose a game that truly disturbed me, I would say Haunting Grounds. It's a game by Capcom where you play as this girl. I think her name was Fiona, who looks, I mean, ridiculously like a younger Jill Valentine from the Resident Evil series, in my opinion at least. But yeah, you play as her, and after a car accident, she wakes up in a creepy castle. And it's just that the themes of this game that disturbed me. Um, they were ones revolving around, like, what Tim, the game you mentioned, rape, mm-hmm. and then being stalked, and then also being being molested, which I guess still also falls under the category of being raped, um, but especially with the characters uh, Ricardo and I think his name was Debildis? Debildis. With the guy with the freaky laugh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so with Debildis, it was more subtle, though, like symbolic, like um, him being this really big and demented man with the mind of a child, and he ends up having this outlook on Fiona as being a plaything or a doll and giving her these creepy looks alongside like his bizarre laugh and then his enjoyment of scaring her, and then there was, I think, Daniela. Yeah, the maid of the castle, Daniela, who was obsessed with being complete and wanting Fiona's body. And there's this one part where she was by Fiona's side when Fiona wakes up, and Daniela was there sexually examining her while she slept. Yeah, she stroked her down her stomach and then groped her crotch. Yes. And And we we played this when we were, like, little, and I sat there, I'm like, did she just, and Les is like, yeah, I'm like, well, fudge. Rated M (laughs) for mature. Yeah, and then so all, all the while, Daniela was muttering something about imperfection about her and so this this plays into self-image and then afterwards she just flipping loses her shiz and smashes her face into a window and then yeah, there was, was I think it was a mirror she was a, um, like a mini boss battle where you had to go and move the drapes so she would stop laughing at herself in the mirror and smash her face into oh, it oh man as if it's not bad enough that she's got like glass in her face now she has seven years bad luck so <laughs> I mean that's yeah, that I a know. bad joke that's that so bad <laughs> But then, but then the character who really kicked the bucket was, like, Ricardo, who was obsessed with the image of immortality, that he wants to be reborn through Fiona, through her body, and always saying things like, you're mine. And, yeah, so... So he basically rapes her and knocks her up. One of the endings for the game. Oh, we didn't get that ending. We did not make sure not to. <laughs> Worst ending. <laughs> yeah, Rape. but, so, yeah, Haunting Grounds, I think, is just full, chock full of wild themes. But don't get me wrong, though, it is an awesome game in its own way, but just at that age mm-hmm. that Reed and I played it and not being able to understand some of those more mature concepts it made it disturbing yeah Yeah. and you know i think the other thing too is yeah it does contain rape and everything but it's not like the point of the game is that it still puts in like a negative light you know where it's like you don't want that to happen it's just like yeah you you don't want that to be the end game whereas like you know and even like the animal abuse thing like that's just kind of disturbing to me as well as like in the game it just like it happens and you're just like you can't do anything about it and that's probably another line that I probably won't cross when it comes to certain games I'm not going to abuse animals that's just like mm, I don't know I can't do it so Mm-mm. ugh 
Well, I feel dirty and gross. So let's talk about yeah. something also dirty and I gross. Even worse. So <laughs> yep. I know, right? Ugh. So Joel actually brought to our attention. I think we, we all kind of knew that Twitch had been acquired recently by mm-hmm. Google. One billion dollars. One billion dollars. And whenever Google buys something, everything goes 100% swimmingly. Everyone yeah. loves it and no one has a problem with it. Yes, we love our supreme leaders Yes, we do Google. love our supreme rulers, Google. No, we're kidding. We They've actually listening. fudged things up royally, um, kind of like what they did with YouTube years ago. I won't get into that, but Joel, give us a rundown on what uh, what Google has done to improve Twitch. Oh, God. They just moved. They wasted no time. I'm going to start back up a little bit. In case you don't know what Twitch is, uh, it's a fairly popular uh, video game streaming site. A lot of people just stream casually. It's very popular for streaming speedruns, uh, marathons, League of Legends tournament, a lot of esports, uh, melee tournaments, all kinds of you know stuff gamers love to watch. Google, after purchasing Twitch for a billion dollars, decided they need to start matching third-party audio within everyone's archive stream to see if anyone's using copyrighted music, even if the music is found within the game that the Twitch user is playing, which they can't do a whole lot about, obviously. Mm -hmm. So what Google does, if any song that's in an archived stream now matches one of their copyrighted songs they have. I don't know, that's like a third-party program that matches the audio. They then just mute. Instead of just muting the song, like isolating the song, they just straight-up mute a half-hour chunk of your video. They just wipe the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, it's like blowing up one guy with an atom bomb. And so now you've got people's archive videos, like, muted. Massive chunks of it's unwatchable, or, like, the whole thing's muted. And there's games, for example, Grand Theft Auto. It's all licensed music in that game, or, like, FIFA sports games. You can't do anything about that, so it's impossible now to archive video of yourself playing any of those games mm-hmm. um, unless you just stream with like the Star Spangled Banner yeah, yeah I gotta find some free hot cross buns there you go yeah some hot cross buns I'll do that I'll come to everyone's Twitch stream I'll just Which, play that on the recorder if yeah. you want you can I mean you can mute the in-game audio and just talk but like you know it takes away boring. from the experience yeah so this is pissing a lot of people off <laughs> And a lot of um, high-profile Twitch users, a lot of speedrunners, uh, popular streamers, have already switched to a different streaming site called Hitbox, which does not have this restriction because they're smart, and they're getting a lot more users now. They're not owned by Google. Right. Also smart. The only, I guess, good news about this is that the live streams themselves are unaffected, so they actually... Lucky for us, Google doesn't monitor your live stream and start muting it if you play a third-party <laughs> song. So you can still do that, uh, and they're not going to touch that. But there have been just some like facepalm examples of this happening. Two of the funniest ones are Valve was showing a demo for one of their newer games on their Twitch account. And the part of the video after it was archived was muted because they used a third-party song that is found within their own game. That they licensed. <laughs> oh, my God. They licensed to the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my like, God. That's a head desk moment right there. Yeah, it was, you just laugh and shake your head at the same time. Also, some random user just started randomly whistling uh, a pop song during a stream. And the program that matches the third-party audio is so good, it picked up that that was a pop song and muted... <laughs> A half hour chunk. Well, that's fine. No Just one wants like to that. hear someone whistle Dark Horse by Katy Perry. Yes. So, you know. <laughs> that's his own fault. That's his own. He, he really screwed They put it that way. Yeah, that's his own fault. <laughs> um, so there's just a big outrage over this whole debacle. It's a mess. 
I'm hoping Google reverses the decision, but they're pretty much so far up their own asses, they're probably not gonna. Is there anything that um, people can do? Like, is there a petition, you think, out there? Or is there any I way that, like, there's a gamers can... I mean, we can probably look it up afterwards they, and see if there's something gamers can do to mobilize. They had an AMA, and okay. as you can imagine, it didn't go well for Twitch. <laughs> yeah, no, it probably didn't like, go so well for them. Yeah, just spamming about how dumb I mean, they I were. I mean, I feel bad for Twitch. It's not... I mean, yeah, they... They sold out to Google, but like it's not Twitch's fault. It's their it's their overlords' fault. Right? You know? They're doing what they're told because they're owned by Google now, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a bummer. And I mean, even though the live streams aren't affected, like that sucks. Like, what if you don't have time to, to watch a live stream? You know, but you want to watch it. I don't know when you get home from work or on the weekend or something like that. Right? You got to watch it with half hour of it muted. That's, yeah, and I went back and watched a lot of clips of uh, the previous big uh, speedrunning marathon AGDQ. So there's going to be tons of moments where they're. Have to mute huge chunks of that stream, which is extremely popular. So I don't know. They just have to upload it straight to YouTube, I guess, right away, or Jeez. it's just a big pain for everyone. Well, let's we'll keep that in mind when we do our gaming marathon later this month right. and, yeah. and may not play yeah. any no licensed music. Yeah, no, no licensed music. So yeah, be careful about that. Yeah. Pretty soon we'll be logging in with all of our personal information, and then either YouTube or Twitch is going to be shut down in the future or merge to like you Twitch. You Twitch. Yeah, I like it. You Twitch. Like I already Twitch. So I don't know really if I want to do that. I know I'm twitching because of this whole thing. Well, we'll look up something. I'll try and find something online to see if there's a way that people can um, either mobilize or, or let Twitch or Google know how they feel about it. And I'll put that in the uh, description of the podcast. So sad times right now for Twitch. Kind of hope that things work out because I know a lot of people I follow on Twitter and a lot of people we all follow. And you know, especially you, Joel, being you know the speedrun king in this podcast. There's probably a lot of people out there that we've followed and stuff that are affected by this. And yeah, I yeah. hope that Google comes to their senses. Well, so many people have jumped to Hitbox that it seems you know most sensible companies would probably take notice. Yeah. But Google, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, consumers do still run things, and Google is about, they always say they're about connecting people to people, so let's uh, <laughs> yeah. let's make With sure that we can still do that <laughs> instead of protecting people that have millions of dollars already in yeah. their pockets. And so. probably don't even care. Like, it's all, they like, don't. the major record labels who, like, barely have their music used in games. It's probably Metallica again. What they did with Napster, now <laughs> they're doing it with Damn. Twitch. So, leave our video games, just leave them alone. Wow, Napster. Napster got a shout-out in our podcast. That's interesting. Yeah. What is it, 1997? And, like, the majority of the songs are by independent video game composers, you know, people who specialize in, in writing music for games. Mm-hmm. There's already been multiple examples, and one guy was already tweeting about how he didn't authorize Google to mute his songs within the game, that he's <laughs> copyrighted Good. himself. And he's, I don't know if anything came of it, but he said he was going to consult his lawyer about it. So yes, he should. If there's enough I independent comp- yeah. composers that do something about it, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get this reversed. Yeah, it needs, more, it needs more voices to it apart from just the gaming community. I think, I think people that have more power, the people that they're trying to protect, so they say in Google, by doing this, speak out and say, you don't need to protect us. Because that's going to get a yep. little bit more exposure, I think, to this and a bunch of people, quote unquote, in the in the you know society, mainstream, whatever, say, oh, it's just a bunch of gamers getting upset with their, well, no, I mean, it's we're talking about a billion dollar industry here, mm-hmm. and I understand that, but you know, people need their freedom to do what they want, so kind of a bummer, but I hope maybe by, even by the time we record our next podcast, things will have improved. Yeah. But, cross my fingers on that so i'll cross mine too awesome all right well thanks joel for letting us know that Mm -hmm. well i don't know i think 
yeah, I think that's about all we have this week for uh, for our podcast. So, as always, listeners, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ASG underscore podcast. You know, for any future updates, any funny tweets that we throw out there, we're all quite funny. Trust me, I laugh at everything I say. Um, (laughs) You can also find us. We are on iTunes. You can follow us there and listen to our podcast. We are also on Stitcher and Podomatic, so you can go and search for All Systems Go on there. So, yeah, again, thank you very much for listening. We really enjoy doing this. We hope you enjoy it, too. And like we say every week, gamers across the world listening, game on. Intro music provided by Wonderflux and outro provided by Labyrinth. You can find more information about All Systems Go at asgpodcast.podomatic.com or follow us on Twitter at asg underscore podcast. Podcast.